is the hope of the world. He is the answer. He's why we live. And it's a reason we continue to strive to encourage other people to come into relationship with Him because He can give them hope even in the midst of their darkest hour. So a beautiful hymn, beautiful words, beautiful theology uh, that is unpacked for us there. Now what I want to do is I want to explain to you the context of this prophecy. Now you've been a Christ follower uh, for a while. You've probably heard this prophecy mentioned at Christmas time. It's very well known. Uh, but many people don't understand the context of how the prophecy uh, was spoken and uh, where it fits. So let's uh, go back uh, to uh, Judah. Uh, king Ahaz was king of Judah. When you have the northern kingdom, which was Israel, the southern kingdom, which was Judah. Remember Elijah, he ministered uh, to the northern kingdom uh, with Ahab and Jezebel. Remember we went through that this past fall. Now, that was the northern kingdom called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah, and King Ahaz was one of the kings during this period after the civil war that happened after Solomon and uh, the nation of Israel broke apart with these two kingdoms. So King Ahab was a very evil man. He sacrificed his children to the gods, uh, very rebellious, and he got into a real jam uh, with some other countries, and these countries said they were going to kill him, and so he was shaken in his boots. And so God sent Isaiah to go and talk to King Ahaz and encourage him and say, listen, if you just trusted me, if you just rely upon me, I'll take care of you. That was the message. So verse 10 says, again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, through, excuse me, Isaiah, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. So that's a big ask, okay? Deep as Sheol, uh, which were the dead rested, and high as heaven. So Isaiah is saying, you need to ask for a sign. You need to ask for something special from God that shows that He is with you. He's basically saying, you need to put your trust in God for this problem that you're going through. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. What's he saying? I'm not trusting in God. I'm going to be in control of this situation. I'm going to call the shots. I have no interest in God helping me out. So uh, Isaiah says, and he said, Hear then, O house of David. So he's speaking to Judah because Ahaz is representing Judah. Is it too little for you to weary men? I think he's talking to Ahaz. I mean, you have caused so much problems, caused so many problems uh, for the people of Judah because of your sin leading the people into sin, and now that you weary my God also. So God has come to you through me. I'm speaking on behalf of God. I'm a prophet, and I'm saying trust in God, and you're saying no. So Isaiah is very upset. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. If you're not going to ask for a sign... God's going to give you a sign, whether you like it or not. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was the sign that was given to this evil king, but really it was given to the people of Israel. It was given to them because God had an unconditional love for them, and even though they were rebellious and doing their own thing, 
God said, I love you. And I'm still going to send my Messiah to you. And again, the word here, the name here is Emmanuel, God with us, which is only three times in Scripture here and then again in Isaiah 8, 8 and again in this next verse. So let's jump to the New Testament and let's look at uh, the scene where the angel came to Joseph and was telling him about the fact that Mary was going to have a child, not by him, but by the Holy Spirit. Verse 21 of Matthew 1, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Who is the prophet? Isaiah. Okay? Now again, Joseph, I'm sure, knew this passage. They knew their scriptures back in that day. And so when he mentions this, I, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, Joseph goes, oh yeah, okay, that's where that fits. Uh, verse 23 quotes 1 Corinthians, uh, excuse me, not 1 Corinthians, but Isaiah 7:14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 740 years before the angel appeared to Joseph, Isaiah prophesied that this child would come and his name would be Emmanuel. Now it's being repeated again. So you think about Emmanuel, God with us. What's in a name? Uh, maybe uh, recently or maybe a long time ago you went through the process of naming your child. How do you go about doing that? I have to admit, I wasn't of much help to my wife. I, I did not serve her properly in this area. I did not want to talk about it. I, <laughs> I just said, let's wait till it happens. You know, I mean, I just didn't want to talk about it. Uh, I thought it might turn into a nine-month conversation. Uh, so I said, let's not talk about it. And so I'm sorry about that. Uh, So the point is, is that uh, when you pick a name for a child, uh, there's a lot of ways to go about it. I mean, many, how many got a baby book out? Anybody get a baby book out? Yeah, of course, yeah, you get a baby book out. I mean, this is a real important decision you're going to make here. And many people just go with popular names. As you study names throughout, uh, let's say, American history, you'll see names that are very popular. And you also don't want to cause your child uh, any unnecessary pain by naming them something that could be, you know, <laughs> as you know, uh, not the best for them. So all I had to say is, is sometimes you pick out a name because it just sounds good uh, to you or maybe the meaning behind the name. And maybe you look at a name and say, that's my old boyfriend. I'm not going to name him that. So, you know, the, 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 the emotional uh, uh, energy we have about different names, I'll never name my kid that, right, because you knew somebody that you hate. It's like whatever. <laughs> so you go through that whole process, all right? That's one way to approach it. Another way, some people take biblical names, which is fine, of course, as well. And uh, in fact, I have a pastor friend who named his twins uh, Obed and Axel. <laughs> Those are biblical names, but I'm thinking, what's the deal with that? I mean, I looked the names up, and they're they're not significant in any way, but I don't know. <laughs> So you can choose a biblical name. 
Many times people choose uh, relatives' names uh, or the father's name. You know, Daniel first, Daniel the second. Lori shot that one down. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But all that to say is that there's a lot of ways to choose a name. But again, as you need to understand, uh, biblical names, it was a totally different deal back in that day. Names really, really meant something. When you chose a name, uh, it might be, again, from history, from the family, uh, but a name talked about a person's character. And so it was a very important choice. And so you need to understand that as we look at the word and the name Emmanuel, because there's many names for God, but this particular name was given to Jesus Christ to signify his birth. God with us. You think about different names like Abraham. Abram. His name was changed to Abraham, which really in the original language just means God is with Abram. Okay? So God was with him in a special way. His name was changed. Then you think of uh, Saul. Uh, common name back in that day, King Saul, was changed to Paul. And Paul, of course, is going to reach the Gentiles. So there's significance in that particular name. Uh, but when you think about Emmanuel, this is the beautiful thing about it, is that that communicates what Christmas is all about. That's what communicates Christ coming to earth. Emmanuel, you, sh you shall call his name Emmanuel because what's going to happen when this person arrives is that God will be with you. God will actually be with you. God is with us. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. What a beautiful name. And it's so powerful, of course, uh, in our faith. Uh, and again, when you look at other world religions, there's no God that's ever become a man before. That's how much God loved us, that he was willing to do that in order to bring us into relationship with him. Let's take a further look at this. Let's jump ahead and look again at the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. Uh, the shepherds are out there and the angel comes to them. And in verse 10 it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. A sign. That's Isaiah 7.14. This is going to be a sign. This is a sign that God gave Isaiah to Ahaz, to the people of Judah and Israel. And now we see it again. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now let's go to verse 16. And they went with haste, the shepherds, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Now what's interesting here, it says, and when they saw it, and that's the only, that's the only information we have about their encounter with the baby Jesus. Now here you hear, see a picture of a baby. I think it's a Jewish baby. That's how I search it on Google. But uh, <laughs> I just want to be, you know, genuine here. Uh, <laughs> um, hmm. 
you, you think about the shepherds, and they had thought a lot about Messiah. And everybody was anticipating the Messiah. Everybody wanted the Messiah to come with the Roman oppression. And in a Jewish person's mind, the Messiah was a combination of the godliness of Moses and the military acumen of a Joshua and the charisma of a David and the wisdom of a Solomon. They didn't know how Messiah would come. They didn't know what he would look like, per se. I mean, you, think about your own self. You, if you were coming back again, okay, anew, what, what age would you come back at? <laughs> would you come back as a baby? Would you come back as a five-year-old? Ten? Twenty-year-old? Thirty-year-old? It's interesting to think about, isn't it? But Jesus came back as a baby. And this is the thing that really struck me as I as I reflected upon this. The last time that we have a clear expression of God's presence was what we talked about several weeks ago with Moses when he was on Mount Sinai and God uh, showed himself. And God, again, is, is, is light. God the Father is just a light. There's no definition now. Jesus Christ has a glorified body that we'll be able to see. But God is just light. And so he had Moses uh, watch just the backside of him, just a little glimpse, or otherwise, of course, Moses would have died. So that was the last time we see God revealed, because God is so great and so mighty and unbelievable and beyond our imagination that, uh, again, that's how he exposed himself uh, to uh, Moses. So what's the next time? that uh, God shows up. How does he show up? He shows up as a baby. Man, when you look at, okay, Moses can hardly look at this unbelievable light. And next he shows up as a baby. And Moses, I'm sure, was fearful in a sense. I mean, being exposed to God, and then he came down and he was nuclear. You know, he was glowing all over the place because he had 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 this encounter with God, but the, the, the shepherds just came up and saw a baby. baby. Babies are fun, aren't they? You go to the store or you're sitting maybe in a setting like this. and there's, I mean, if there's a baby in front of you and you're in a setting like this, you know, you might as well just, it's over. <laughs> the kid's looking back at you, you know. And when a baby smiles at you, what do you need to do? What do you want to do? It doesn't matter how bad your mood is. It doesn't matter how much of a grouch you are just deep down inside. I mean, you never smile at anything. But you have to smile at a baby. Because the baby is inviting you to smile back at them. They want a connection with you, and there's no reason, even if you're the most cynical person on earth, there's no reason why you just can't give that little smile back to that kid. Okay? And I just think it's so beautiful that God came as a baby. Now, there's a lot of theological reasons. We won't get into those right now. But I'm just talking about the way He revealed Himself. I mean, well, the shepherds, when the angels showed up, whenever an angel shows up, as I've said before, you know, people are terrified. That's always the first thing out of a an angel's mouth, it's part of the handbook, the angel handbook, tell them not to be afraid because they are really, you know, freaked out. <laughs> uh, don't freak out. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> you know? So, 
uh, so that's what happened out, out you know, uh, in the uh, in the hills there where they were keeping their sheep. But when they actually come and see God manifested, all right, it's a baby. And again, you know, way in a manger talks about no crying. Well, he, I, I believe he cried. I don't know if he was crying at that point. He was just a baby. He was a normal baby in the sense that he would act like any other baby. At the same time, he was a God-man. Uh, but he was a baby. Innocent, approachable, non-threatening. And I, I just think, when you think about Emmanuel, God with us. Now, that comforts my heart. To know that God would stoop to that level to becoming a baby for me. And it just speaks about the intimacy, I believe, of the love of God. Well, let's go on here. Let's just talk briefly about the incarnation. That's what we're talking about here. The fact that God was fully, uh, fully God and fully man at the same time. What, 100%. Can you turn my phone off? Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, John 1.14 and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is a critical proof passage about the deity of Jesus Christ. And the Word, Logos, God Himself, became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. And John is speaking here, as we talked about several weeks ago, the apostle, not only had he seen Jesus and all the miracles that he did and his, uh, the knowledge that he had, of course, that nobody else had. Uh, he had seen him at the Mount of Transfiguration, peeled back his, his flesh and seen his glorified body. He had seen all this. And he's saying, listen, I've seen it. And God has come to dwell among us. I mean, he's one of us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and uh, truth. Now, let's look at the uh, key passage that speaks about the Incarnation in Philippians chapter uh, 2, verses 6 uh, through 11. This is the theological uh, passage that, that speaks of how Jesus became a man. Uh, who, though he was in the form of God, he, the nature of God, he was God. Uh, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, Satan wanted to be God, but that was the opposite of Jesus Christ. Uh, he wasn't seeking to have everything that God could have and be, but emptied himself. Now, that word in the Greek is kenosis. It's called the kenosis passage. It speaks of the incarnation. Uh, it's the idea that he did not become less God, but he did limit some of his... Uh, uh, his abilities, his knowledge, those different things. And, and the idea here is, I mean, just becoming a baby. I mean, it wasn't like he was a baby, but he was like a little man inside. And, you know, he could talk, but he wasn't going to talk because then people would know. He was just pretending to be a baby. No, no. He was a baby. Okay, you understand that? And then he grew in maturity. And then he, of course, started to discover things. I'm sure he was extremely precocious, no doubt. But the point is that he was a baby, okay? He, he, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. 
So he took on the nature of a man, even though his nature also is God. And being found in human form, never see it again, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So who is he obedient to? Well, he's obedient to God the Father. God the Father asked him to go to earth to die for the sins of men, and he obeyed. And, of course, that is the heart of the gospel that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins so we no longer should pay it. So if you're here today and maybe this is your first time or you've been coming and exploring what it means to be a Christ follower, this is what it's all about. And as we head into this Christmas week, uh, certainly my desire for you uh, would for you to realize uh, that you need Jesus Christ. Uh, you can't earn your way to heaven. When, many times when I'm dialoguing with people about the gospel, uh, they'll, they'll say to me, well, I've been a pretty good person. And, and I'll say to them, well, then why did Jesus Christ have to come to die? If you can earn your way to God by your performance, by your de- good deeds, whatever, why would Jesus Christ have to come to die? It doesn't make any sense to me. And so we dialogue about it a little more. And, but the point is, well, yeah. I mean, he had to come to die because there was no other way. If there would have been another way, I'm sure God would have done it a different way. But it had to be this way. Jesus Christ had to be fully God and fully man to be a representative for man in order to pay the penalty for our sins. He had to live the perfect life, and then he had to give his life. That's what needed the theologically, you know, the economy of God to happen for these sins uh, to be forgiven. And that's what he did. And aren't we so grateful that he did? So again, I want to encourage you, if you haven't put your full trust in Jesus Christ and not your own efforts uh, to do that and become a Christ follower. Well, it goes on, and then after he ascended into heaven, then God exalted him, put him back in his rightful spot. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him in the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord the glory of God the Father, and someday that will happen. Everyone, everyone that you know, even the most godless person you know, is going to bow their knee to Jesus Christ in the future. And hopefully by that time they will turn their heart and you'll be praying for them and doing whatever you can to encourage them uh, to seek after God. So that is an explanation of the Incarnation and the idea of how God came to us in a new way. Now, we look back at Matthew 1.23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which which means God with us. God with us. But at the same time, he had a lot of other names. I mean, he was fully gods in that manger. And that's really what, you know, it's hard for us to comprehend that. We look at Isaiah 9 6. All of us are familiar with this verse because it handles Messiah. Uh, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He is the king. So there's the, the baby there. He, he was fully king at that time. He was fully sovereign at that time. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Advocate, Mighty God. Powerful God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All those things were true of this little infant that had just been born. Beautiful thing to think about. 
Now, when I think about the Incarnation, when I think about Emmanuel, when I think about God with us, there's two things that uh, I reflect upon. The first thing, of course, is my salvation. This all had to happen in the way that it did in order that I might be brought into a relationship uh, with the Father. So that's the first thing I rejoice over and, and celebrate about the Christmas season. Uh, the second thing, though, uh, is something that uh, is very meaningful, and that is, is that Jesus Christ became uh, a man. He became like me. We read in Hebrews 4, 15, and 16, uh, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let's then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So, uh, I don't know, that... I mean, to think about the fact that uh, you look around, you know, the room here, and let's say, I mean, if Jesus Christ was born in this era, he would be sitting here, okay? He would be one of us, but at the same time, he would be God. The fact that he walked this earth just, uh, wow, and that is, that's amazing, and it's so meaningful because he experienced life like we do. Sometimes we forget that. He goes, goes for everything we do except, of course, personal sin. He did not commit personal sin, didn't experience the consequences of personal sin. But at the same time, he was in a world that was cursed by God because of sin, and so he experienced a lot of pain in that way. So, I mean, Jesus got excited like we Get excited? Jesus Christ got fatigued like we get fatigued. Jesus Christ got frustrated like we get frustrated. Jesus Christ was uh, emotionally impacted by other people in a very negative way. I mean, they ridiculed him. They, they criticized him. And we'll never fully know until we get to heaven in terms of what that meant. I mean, there's a lot of mystery there, but uh, I mean, you just think about the betrayal. I mean, here he walks with Judas for three years, and Judas betrays him. Do you think that Jesus said, yeah, I knew that was going to happen? I don't think so. I think that was very, very painful for him emotionally to see somebody invested in and loved and turn against him even though he knew it was going to happen. And of course, you think about all the things that happened uh, before the crucifixion and during the crucifixion, all the physical pain and, uh, again, emotional pain, spiritual pain that he went through being separated uh, from God. And, I mean, he's, he's done life. He had to go to bed every night, you know that? I mean, he had, a, he had an emotional tank. He had a physical energy tank. And it wasn't like, you know, he was some robot here on earth some, you know, sci-fi guy, you know, who didn't have to sleep. <laughs> he was like us, okay? Yeah. He ate because he needed food for his body to work. He was like us. And, and when you really start to think about that, and that's what I encourage you to do as you move into this Christmas week, 
You say, wow, what, what an incredible gift I have. Because you see, when you fully understand that, when you're telling him, when you're coming to him with issues in your life and things like that, say, Lord, I know how you understand. And doesn't that transform everything about our relationship with, with Jesus in the sense that he's done it, he's been here, he's lived this life? It's just not a God up there who theoretically understands our experiences, but he's actually experienced them. And he wants to comfort us. We look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. That's all our afflictions. All the challenges that we have in life, all the ways that people sin against us, all the emotional pain that we go through. Um, we had a memorial service for our funeral service here yesterday that Pastor Rich led for the Koya family. The Koyas, uh, you know, Matt Koya has attended for quite a while and his, his uh, mother more recently, but uh, she lost her husband. Joe, who was in his 50s, and then earlier this year they lost their son Mitchell, who was in his 20s. So it's just she and her, Julie and uh, Matt who are left. I mean, like, whoa, you know, talk about grief. But God is comforting them. We're doing what we can to comfort them. And Jesus Christ went through grief, you know, he wept. When he heard about Lazarus, even though he knew that it was going to happen, and he allowed it to happen, but he still, he still wept, okay? That's how, how real uh, he was. And so maybe this Christmas, I mean, the Christmas is a great magnifier. Uh, it, you know, if things are good in your life, Christmas makes it feel like it's even better than it is. <laughs> and if things are bad in your life, it makes it seem like things are worse than they really are. So we got a lot of emotions today in this room, just because it's a season. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you to take that all to Jesus. Out of emotional pain, relational pain, physical pain. In fact, I would appreciate your prayers. Uh, my wife, Lori, had rotator cuff surgery, shoulder surgery back in uh, late June. And... Uh, she went through that, and now her shoulder is uh, pretty good. And uh, I, I'm having the same surgery this Friday on the other arm because we like to do things together. We're a very close couple. <laughs> and, you know, it's one thing to know you're going through a surgery. It's another thing to have watched somebody else go through it <laughs> and know it's coming. You know, so I, I, I accept some concerns. I not looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, a lot of questions I have in terms of what that experience is going to be like. But uh, I appreciate your prayers, and um, you know, in the next couple of weeks, Pastor Rich will be teaching, and uh, Pastor Lou Petrie will be preaching. Um, but uh, I appreciate your prayers, and uh, but but all that to say is that you know I know God is going to be with me, no matter what happens, no matter what I experience, and. Uh, God's going to be with me, and God's going to help me. Be patient, because that will be the biggest issue, I think.
is a long recovery process. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just to know that God is going to be with me, that he's had a body before, and he knows what that's like. I mean, especially in the crucifixion, the pain that you go through. It's going to be tough preaching because I only have one arm, and I'll have to, you know, I have half of my gestures, so this arm's really going to get a workout. So it's the last time you'll see this in a while. All right. So all that to say is, uh, now let's go back. Here's the real question, though, guys. Okay, let's go back to Hebrews 4. If you could go back to Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find a grace to help us in the time of need. There it is right there. Okay? Jesus is waiting for you to come to him. He's waiting for you uh, at the throne of grace. He wants to pour grace into your life. He wants to give you mercy and grace to help in time of need. And the question is, are you going to Him? Are you taking advantage of this relationship? God is with you, but are you pursuing that? Is that real to you? Is it real to you up here in terms of understanding it? And is it real to you... In a hard way now, our emotions come and go, and we go through spiritual dry times, and and uh, that's just the nature of life. But the point is that God wants to be with you. God, that's why Jesus came, that's why the Holy Spirit is within you right now. God is with you, but how aware of you are of that fact, and how much are you living that out from day to day? And if you're really going to walk with Jesus and abide in Him and, and depend upon Him, You've got to be just spending time with him. You know, I, again, I, that's what I want to encourage you to do. Again, I put these biblical affirmations in your programs again as a reminder to you know, continue to go to those as reminders of who you are in Jesus. I would encourage you to take time over this next uh, week, especially in the busyness, to draw away and just spend time with Jesus. Spend time journaling about how... how and just the things we've talked about today, how close you feel uh, to Jesus. And, and pour out your heart to Jesus. Tell him what's going on in your life. Talk to a Christian friend. You know, and, and as you interact, Jesus is there. And, and, and many times, of course, you know, when we talk about comfort, God many times delivers comfort through other people. Because that's the way he designed it all. But the point is, is that we've got we've to take the time. I would encourage you to... You know, well, I like to have been listening to carols uh, with my iPod recently. And uh, music is just a beautiful way to draw yourself into the, the throne room of God. So I would encourage you to take whatever music, Christian music right now, that's meaningful to you. If you don't, if you hear, if you hear uh, songs that you like that minister to you on Sunday mornings, well, go and buy them for 99 cents or whatever they're selling for on iTunes today, you know. Get the name of the song, download on your phone or whatever, and listen to it and let it continue to minister to you throughout the week. Music is so powerful in terms of creating that connection uh, with God and helping, helping you to feel that He is there for you. God is with us. We're going to have our worship team uh, come out at this time, and we're going to sing a song again. And that's my prayer for you, and that's my prayer for myself this week, that as we work through uh, whatever issues we have in life, that we would come to his throne of grace and that we would just pour ourselves out and say, Lord, I need you. Thank you for being here with me. No matter where you're at, 
Uh, he's going to be with you. And, and really, the important thing is just learning how to become more aware of that and, and having that on your mind. We look at these uh, lyrics again, O come Emmanuel and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. And then when, when we're singing rejoice, rejoice, I mean really feel that in your heart. Rejoice that Jesus Christ came. Rejoice that He is your Savior if you've made that choice. So come to thee, O Israel. Well, the next verse, will come thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny, from depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory o'er the grave. I won't be singing this verse, but this is rejoicing over our salvation. And the next verse, O come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits bind thine advent here, disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow, puts to fly. As you sing that verse, think about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Why don't you stand with us and let's... Uh, Worship the Lord with this beautiful carol.
Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent your Son, Emmanuel. Thank you that you entered into our world in a new way. We rejoice over that, Lord, and give you all the glory in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, just want to encourage you again to uh, come out to our Christmas Eve services this Tuesday, 3 o'clock and 4.30. Service will last about an hour while some carols and talk about a way in the manger and have communion and as well as uh, sing Silent Night, uh, have some actual candles and some glow sticks, so it should be a fun time. Uh, no glow sticks for the adults. You get the candles, okay? But... Uh, Keep encouraging people with the carol cards, and we sent you an email invite that you can use. Uh, just continue to throw the seed out there and let people know that you're concerned about them spiritually. Uh, great opportunity to do that. also want to give you a quick update on our year-end offering. Uh, again, we're praying for $15,000, and as of last week, we have received 10500 So that is awesome. Praise God. Man. Thank you for your spirit of generosity to these different projects. Today we're just talking about our children's ministry enhancements. We've been on a lean budget for uh, a couple of years now and haven't been able to replace certain equipment, so we'll be doing that with those funds for our children's ministry. Also, we'll be adding more uh, decor uh, to our Kids of the city, city theme. And the kids are loving that, so we want to add some more things, and so that's what we'll be going uh, in that direction. Uh, so let's have our ushers come forward at this time, and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you uh, for uh, the generosity of this wonderful congregation.